When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond The Sickest NHL Podcast. It's going to be sick. And welcome to another edition of the Eye Test here on the Sick Podcast Network. He's Pierre McGuire. I'm Jimmy Murphy. And uh, it was, of course, Pierre, Super Bowl weekend. A great Super Bowl, I thought, uh, last night. Uh, but also, tons of hockey going on and, and some big, big stories uh, out of the NHL this past weekend, Pierre. And I, I think let's just get right into it. Uh, the thing that everyone's talking about right now, uh, Morgan Riley's reaction to Ridley Greg slap-shotting the puck into an empty net to seal the game and a 5-3 win for the Senators. You know, Riley, in case anyone hasn't seen it yet, goes over, cross-checks him, and then all hell breaks loose. But let's go to the clip right now, and then we'll, we'll give our takes on it. For Marner, slot to Morris. Toby got a stick on that. It'll come to Matthews. Time running down. Nylander can't get it through. It'll be sick ahead. It's going to put the finishing touches. you don't usually see from Morgan Riley, but he's all over it. That's been a good game and a hard-fought third period, and I understand the response. For Greg, you, you don't need to be showing up like that, but the reaction, not a good one, and now they're still going. As Riley was separated and sent in, you got another battle going on as Tavares is in the middle of it as well. All right, Pierre. So I, we spoke about this on the phone earlier today, and we, we both agree, you know, we understand what Riley is thinking in terms of, hey, don't show us up like that. But the reaction was just pretty over the top, right? Well, there are a few things. Number one, everybody's saying Toronto's not tough enough to win in the playoffs, and they're not tough enough to go on a Stanley Cup run. Morgan Riley's been there as long as anybody else that's wearing a Maple Leaf sweater right now. So he's the one that's been hearing this forever and ever and ever. So I can understand his frustration. For Ottawa, every game they play now is like the Stanley Cup playoffs because they're probably not going to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's been an unbelievably disappointing season for most of those players. So for a young player like Ridley Gregg, Jimmy, who wants to prove a point to the fans, and there were more Toronto fans in that building than there were Ottawa fans, he's kind of making an emphasis on really – Boom, take that. Yep. So he's a young guy. Um, I worked in Ottawa when we had him. Uh, I went to Edmonton to watch him play. I know I told you this story. And uh, Caden Gooley was playing for Edmonton. Jake Neighbors was playing for Edmonton. They're both in the NHL now. Ridley was playing in Brandon. Mm-hmm. And at the end of one game, I had to tell him, I said, listen, you're not a real big guy. I coached your father. Your father was a big guy. Your dad was a real strong guy, too. 
Yeah, he your was. Dad, he could handle the rough going. You're not going to be able to do that in the NHL. So he's always been trying to prove people wrong. So I kind of understand where he's coming from, too, as a smaller guy trying to make it in the NHL. But what he did was not probably, if he has to look at it again, probably say, I'm not going to do that. And on the other side of it, um, I think that Morgan Riley would say, if I had to do it over, I might do it a different way. Mm -hmm. But I kind of understand both sides of it. I do. Uh, and I'm not trying to shirk one side for the other or whatever, but yeah. Jimmy, I got to tell you when the cross check makes contact to the head area, whether people like it or not, I, I got to think there's going to be a suspension involved here. It's not going to be a fine. There's going to be a suspension and it's probably not going to be a tame one. It probably will no. not just because of the stick making contact to the facial area. Yeah. And then look, and now it's a hearing. So we know that he will be in New York. I, I found out period is yeah. in New York tomorrow on Tuesday. He'll have his hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety. So already we know it's more than five games, Pierre. But, you know, I'm kind of with you where I wonder with the the culture now and the, you know, the direction we're going and being more cognizant of head injuries and CTE and all that, it, he's kind of left the Department of Player Safety and George Paros in a pickle there where, like, maybe they don't necessarily want to drop the hammer and, and, and go into double digits, but it could happen because they may look at it and say, well, this is our chance to kind of send a message league wide. This is a statement type suspension. It, it's going to be interesting. Now he doesn't have a track record here that, that will help him. Um, but I, I just, I wonder if a sort of just a, a perfect storm of everything is going to really hurt Morgan Riley in this decision and on what, how many games he misses. You've raised some really interesting points, Jimmy. Here, here's what I'll say, and I've said this ever since I got out of coaching. Um, sometimes good people do bad things. Exactly. Sometimes they do. And Morgan Riley's a really good person. Talk to anybody on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just talk to Morgan. You'll see what I'm talking about. He's a very good person, honorable man, very good player, important yep. player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But he was a good person that did a bad thing. On the other side of it, Ridley Gregg, you know, I can understand the frustration of the, the Leaf players in particular. And, and this is something that I don't know how much is a play it's been getting, but it's important to say. Okay. They've been, according to most of the pundits, a lead pipe since to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Right? You would agree? Yes. It's not been that rosy for them. And I'm surprised most of the pundits haven't talked about how unrosy it, it has been. Yeah. It has not been good. This mm -hmm. is they have, they have the best scorer in the National Hockey League, and this is a team that's fighting tooth and nail to maintain a playoff position. Yep. I mean, so we don't, don't tell me how great the Toronto Maple Leafs are. Tell me how they're going to be better so that they can make the next step to make the playoffs and go deeper than what they did last year, winning for the first time in six years in the playoffs against a Tampa team that had been to the final three years in a row. Like, yeah. Let's rest easier. So I think part of the frustration for Morgan Riley in that one, Jimmy, was the fact that this is a team that's teetering right now. Mm -hmm. I think as a leader of the team, he knows that. Yeah. And he was trying to make a statement saying, don't rub our face in it. Yeah. And I believe that's part of it as well. Yep. I agree. I agree. And look, Pierre, I, I look at it right now, though. <sighs> You lose that guy. He's so important to that team, not just skill-wise, but as you mentioned, and you so 
perfectly put. He's a heart and soul type guy. He he's he's a leader on that team. To lose that at such a crucial time, like you said, I mean, let's look at the standings right now, Pierre. I mean, they're tied in points. Technically, they're ahead of the Detroit Red Wings in the top wildcard spot. They both have 60 points. But, you know, we've been talking about goal differential and how important it is in looking at these standings right now. And, yeah, the Leafs are plus 14, but, you know, Detroit's right back there with them at plus 16. By the way, Detroit's favorite. As you read those stats, go look at what the Pittsburgh Penguins goal differential is. Tell me what it is. I can tell you. I know it off the top of my head. It's only plus 13. Yeah, it's one one behind Toronto. Yep. Yep. And look, look at who's got games in hand. Yep. Pittsburgh. I'm just telling you. So this yeah. and it's a okay. tough time for this to happen. Maybe it's it's a really tough time, but this is part of what irks me because a lot of the pundits don't report all this stuff. No. And it, it's it's important critical information for fans to have a chance to digest. Yes. And it's, and and you know again, if you look at the teams chasing to get into a wild card position or or a division position, the only team that has a plus goal differential is Pittsburgh. They're plus mm-hmm. 13 and they've just lost 3 in a row. Yep. You know, so uh you know, I'm just telling you, it's no and they have games in hand. They've got games in hand on Toronto. It's I no loss. It's not it's a lock. Far from a lock, and everybody, oh, they're going to make it, and they're going to do that. Yeah, this this thing that happened in Ottawa Saturday night, I think it's a, I think it's a reaction. One, because they were mad that Ridley Gray did like, obviously. Yeah. But two, there's a frustration internally. They've lost the Battle of Ontario this year. Nobody yes. They've lost to a team that's not going to make the playoffs in in yep. what should be an arduous series. They've lost to them. Yeah. And Pierre, you know, we, we spoke about it coming out of the all-star break in, in the bye weeks. And, you know, we we're saying how some of these teams that had a lot of guys involved in it at the all-star weekend and, you know, dealing with all the parties and the events and all that could be distracted and still maybe need a little adjustment time. And I think they've become that prototypical team of what we were, you know, previewing yeah. or predicting. This really hit them. And I'm not using that as an excuse or anything. I'm criticizing I'm saying that. Yeah. And so you look at it right now, Pierre. I mean, let's pull up their schedule because I'm really interested. And I don't want to – I'm not going to ask you to do it, Pierre, but, and I'm not going to speculate on anyone's job. I just am going to say I am worried for Sheldon Keefe. That's all I'll say. I look at their schedule right now and – you know, with okay, so now let's just assume you're going to be without Morgan Riley for 10 games. All right, you've got a busy week coming up. Um, next week, so here we go. You got the Blues tomorrow, Flyers Thursday, and then the Ducks all at home on Saturday. They then go on a four game road trip here, and this is where it could get really interesting. This could be a big swing trip for them. They play at St. Louis on the 19th. St. Louis is no slouch. St. Louis is playing great hockey right now. They're, they're, I, playing, they're playing to get in the playoffs. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're not going to level. And if you watch Jordan Cairo playing right now, you look at Robert Thomas yeah. playing right now, you look at Colton Pareko playing right now, you looked at Jordan Bennington at certain points of that game in Montreal the other day, mm-hmm. he brought it. He was playing, playing a hockey. So yeah. I'm just saying, St. Louis is far from being a blowaway. Like, they're a hard okay. team. 
So then the second game of that trip, and it, it becomes a first of a back-to-back in the middle of that trip, is the Arizona Coyotes. Okay, unless they get overconfident, they should be able to win that, you would think. But then it gets interesting, Pierre. February 22nd, the following night, they're in Vegas. Vegas is starting yeah. to pick it up again. They're playing like a Stanley Cup champion again. And then you go back, you go up to Denver on the 24th and you play the Colorado Avalanche. Pierre, they could essentially go one and three on that road trip, and that could be their season. So you know what's crazy about this? People in Toronto don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. That is the honest truth. So I'll just tell you one other thing. You you mentioned it, and nobody, I guarantee you, nobody in Toronto thought of this. If you were into almost Valentine's Day, and one of your key games going into that road trip was beating Philadelphia to be a playoff team in September – Nobody, not one person in Toronto would have told you that might be a money game for us. That might be a game we got to win because if we don't, we could be in big trouble. Right. Nobody, nobody, I guarantee you was saying that. So, Pierre, with that in mind and with the fact, right, that they're not going to have Riley, okay, if you're tree living right now, are you getting ahead of it right now and, and, and making a lot of calls? Because he's going to need a defenseman. I don't know who they got that they can bring up here. You would know better than me. But, I mean, they're going to need somebody to come in and replace a little of what Riley brings. And, you know, you don't want to wait too long until you get back from that trip and you're out of it. Well, what's the point of making a trade then? If I'm they him, I get ahead of it. Yeah, no. So what I would tell you is, Jimmy, they don't have anybody. And I watch the Marlies play all the time. Uh, I've mm-hmm. got – one guy in that team that I work with in the summer, I'm really proud of uh, who's done very well for them. But I would just say that <laughs> they don't have anybody that can eat up the minutes from the Marlies that can replace Morgan Riley's minutes. Right. But they don't have it. They, they have guys that can come up and play. Yeah. They have nobody that's going to eat Morgan Riley's minutes at the same level. They don't. Um, I think Brad at some point probably has acknowledged that or knows that and is probably going to have to do something. Um, If this is longer than a six-game suspension, Jimmy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. This is going to be a problem. If they don't act on it, it's going to be a problem. And now I know they're saying they've got Joseph Wall back practicing and there's a chance he'll be back. I know Joseph Wall is a good player. I watched him play at Boston College just like you've watched him play at Boston yeah. College. I watched him play in the American League too. I watched him play in the World Junior for the Americans. Like we've all watched him. We know he's a good goalie. But he hasn't proven that he can win in the NHL playoffs. He hasn't been involved in a situation where it's a must win for them to be a playoff. He hasn't been involved in that yet. No. So we'll see how that goes. We'll just see how it goes. It's that's a hard, that's a big ask for that player at this yep. point. And a great call here, Randy Workman. Thanks for your uh, your due diligence on it. Randy points out, hey, don't sleep on that Coyotes game either. They're 0 3 in their last three games against Arizona. No, I, I wouldn't sleep that well. I would not sleep on Arizona in Arizona anyways. They're they're hard yeah. to play against there. Yeah. Again, that building's not friendly to the visitors. It's a tough place to play. Yeah. Because it's a different environment. It's not what the guys are used to. It's just a different environment. 
Yeah. Um, you know, ask, ask the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, they went in there and they thought they were just going to run the roost uh, over Arizona. They weren't able to do it. They just weren't able to do it. Yep. And with the way first round picks are being tossed around, Jeffrey B makes a great point there. Uh, you know, doesn't help. They only have a 2025 pick. Uh, so it, it's a tough spot. Like, no, they have, I think they have a 2024 first. Okay. He's saying they don't want to give that up though, because yeah. they usually do. Um, so they're in a tough spot here and, and great on you. It's a good segue. You bring up wall and the goaltending there. That's another thing that I was asking about off air. Like, do we start to see the dominoes fall in the goalie market starting maybe this week or next week? There's been a lot of whispers, chatter about the Calgary Flames and New Jersey Devils talking Jacob Markstrom, but nothing ever materialized. Some re- people out there in the media are reporting that uh, it was the retention involved that, you know, they needed uh, Calgary to pick up more money. Who knows? Who knows what's going on there? I still don't see. I, like, I think that we said and we agreed last week, Pierre. I don't see Markstrom. If he is getting traded, I see that more of a summertime draft day, draft weekend type deal. So there's other goalies out there, though. And Pierre, one guy I want to ask you about, and congratulations to him on playing his 1,000th game recently. And I know you know him well, and he's one of the best people to deal with in this game. He's a great ambassador for the game, and that's Marc-Andre Fleury. Do you think Billy Guerin is at the point where he might go to him and say, look, I could find you a spot where you can tend. That being said, you look at the teams that supposedly need goalies right now, Pierre. So, all right, we said Jersey, Toronto. Colorado. Colorado and Edmonton. I I think only two or four. If I want to go to a team that's truly going to contend for the Stanley Cup, then I'm looking at Colorado, Edmonton, and I take out. I, I don't see Jersey. Who knows if Jersey even makes the playoffs? I mean, you could go there, and it still might not make a difference by the time he gets there. So I'm looking at Edmonton or Colorado, and, man, I think when I when I really narrow it down on those two, I think Colorado would be a great fit for him. No, it, it would be. Um, you know, you look, they signed Zach Parise. They're, they're struggling right now, let's be fair. Colorado yep. coming out of the All-Star break hasn't done extremely well. Uh, doesn't mean they're not going to get it back in the rails. Nathan McKinnon is just so darn good. What's going to happen with Gabriel Landeskog? Is it going to be just like what happened down in Tampa Bay, you know, for their first Stanley yeah. <laughs> Cup? Um, so so in terms of salary cap implications. So let's see what happens with Gabriel Landeskog. And obviously, Miko Rantanen is having a phenomenal year. Kael McCarr is having a great year. Uh, Devon Tay is having a good year. You, you look at their whole team. Um, I think they need more from Ryan Johansson there in Colorado. And if they yes. can't get more, then they've got to look for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other part of it is, and I think this is really important, um, on defense, are they actually deep enough for a sustained run? I love the fact that Sam Malinsky's playing as well as he has. They brought up a kid they signed as an undrafted player at a mm-hmm. Cornell University. He's done a fantastic job uh, after doing a little tutorial work down in the American Hockey League. So, you know, I look at it, I, I think they're a team, and I would see to you that they're a team that's got a legitimate chance to win. I don't know if Edmonton has a legitimate chance to win or not. I just I just think there's too many variables there. Um, they have not really shown that they can overcome a lot uh, in tight games. But we'll see. We'll see long term. I still think that, obviously, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, uh, Zach Kime, and those guys have been phenomenal. Vander Kane had a hat trick the other night. I mean, you, there's so much to like. But there are teams that need goalies. Yeah. Well, where's Jake Allen going to go? Jake I Allen. Know. And I think something. that's coming now. 
that that that's got to be starting to you know get to the forefront there. I, I think Montreal knows now. You look at the way they played over the weekend and what happened there. They, they know that's it for this season. Uh, so I think that that gets accelerated a bit. But Pierre, good point on Edmonton there too. As you said that, I thought about too. Well, look at the division they're in too, Pierre. They no, got to no. get by Vegas. They well, got to get by Vegas, which is whew, good luck with that. Vancouver? What about Vancouver? Vancouver. And Vancouver. I watched Vancouver play this weekend. I watch all their games because I'm, I love, you know, I don't love the coach, but I'm buddies with the coach. And I think, <laughs> the, world and I, I think the world of what they've done with their program, they've done a fantastic job. Yeah. But if you watch them play, so they lose a heartbreaking game in Detroit. Mm-hmm. They go into Washington. They battle. They do a good job. They get some offense from Connor Garland. They get some offense from depth guys who are hanging in there on defense. Right. They get a couple saves, a couple goal posts. Uh, Demko stands up when he has to, and they win the game off a tough turnover. You know, they win the game on the road in a back-to-back. They could have mailed that game in on Super Bowl Sunday. That's a hard game to play in Washington. Visitor For all those years that I was at NBC, 16 of them, we had a Super Bowl Sunday game almost every Super Bowl Sunday in Washington. I miss them. Yeah. So, um and then we had to have be a hard off because we we're going right to golf. <laughs> Pretty well. Um, but those are hard games for the visitors to win down in Washington. And Vancouver won that game. And I I don't know. Edmonton's got to go through them. And yep. they've got to go through Vegas. And, you know, there's a – hey, let's see what Jim Hiller and, and DJ Smith, my other buddy, do out in L.A. And they've already won their first game as a coaching staff. Yep. Let's see. Yeah, I I know they're on the road now. Let's see how it all plays out for them. But um, it's not easy. I just think it's the, – the one thing I want to say, though, about Minnesota before we move on, because you brought up Mark andre mm-hmm. uh, you could see the passion is still there for him in the game against Pittsburgh, Jimmy. He was so uh, was good. Awesome. At the end there, he was chucking and jiving all over the yep. place. To oh, yeah. say. He, was, he, was ama- he was amazing in that game. That was vintage Mark andre Fleury. Um, yep. A lot of style that's really easy to copy, just like Ashik wasn't easy to copy, but he found a way to get it done. I don't know how much people look at it, but the American Hockey League standings, Iowa, which is Minnesota's farm team, they're deep. They're not solidified as a playoff team yet, Jimmy, and they've got a goalie prospect there in Jesper Wallstad, who's really, really good. He's yes. really good. He's eventually going to be the star. He's got one NHL start, I think. This year down in Dallas, it didn't go very well, but the team wasn't very good either for them. Um, they, if they're going to make the playoffs there, and I think they do because of the young guys they have in their organization, he's got to stay there. So I don't know if they trade Flurry, like how they're going to deal with that internally too. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you can't bring Wallstead up. You got to try to make the playoffs in the American Hockey League. So it's no, kind of a, it's a tough yeah. one. It's, that's a tough one for Billy in Minnesota. That's a really tough one. And before we leave Minnesota talk there, too, by the way, congratulations to Billy Guerin, uh, who we've had yeah. on this podcast, uh, being named the general manager of Team USA for the uh, Four Nations face-off and the uh, 2026 Olympics, Pierre. So that'll be fun. I'm sure as we get into that and some offseason, we'll talk about that more as we get close to it. But I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but, yeah, just look, looking around at other teams, let's go to Jersey right now. Okay, because they're just such a fascinating team to me. And sadly, it's because they've underachieved. That's what's so fascinating to me about this team is that they just can't seem to get it going. And I know they've had injuries, but everybody's had injuries. And they're not going to blame that either. So 
Pierre, you look at that team right now, and I mean, if if you're another guy that we've had on this show, Tom Fitzgerald, and you're evaluating your team and you're looking at the standings and you're being realistic, do, do you really, right now, do you go out and make those big trades or is it something you save for the offseason? Well, they're going to know. They play, obviously, the stadium series game on Saturday against Philadelphia. Yeah. I think give them this week. They're going to know by the end of Saturday, I think, whether it's realistic for them or not to either okay. try to be a buyer or to be a seller. And as we go through this week, I think we'll have a pretty good understanding. Um, that Philadelphia game, you know, obviously at MetLife Stadium is going to be huge. Even though it's a stadium series outdoor game, those points matter. <laughs> Oh, you know, used to be, I did I did most of those outdoor games for a lot of years with Doc Emmerich and, and either John Davidson or uh, Eddie Olchuk. And what's interesting is at the beginning, they were kind of like exhibition games. You know, right. guys were going out there and playing. And then I think there was one year I was in Wrigley Field. It was Chicago and Detroit. I remember that. And it got serious. It got real serious. It mattered in the standings. And mm – -hmm. Those guys, you know, the cups and everything else, and one team was taking the torch, the other one was passing the torch, Detroit was passing, Chicago was yeah. taking, and it got a whole lot of that. Like, it got nasty, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. And I think that's kind of when it switched. Mm -hmm. In an exhibition kind of a fun thing to an, and a novel thing to, you know, these points actually matter in the standings. Yeah. That's where I think people started to really get going with it. And I love this one that they've got going, Pierre. I know it's not the Winter Classic. And I know people say, oh, enough, just do the Winter Classics. Too many outdoor games now. Whatever, I don't mind it. it you know, as long as the, the, the players do what you're saying now, that they care and they go out there. And, Pierre, adding the fact, too, that, you know, that's a hockey area, I think, that we've said on this uh, podcast numerous times that doesn't necessarily get enough attention as a great hockey area. The players know that. The teams know that. Their rivals, longtime rivals playing each other. This means something, not just in the standings. This is a pride-type game for each team yeah. going in there. So that just has that built into it as well. I think we're going to get really two solid games. And it, 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 like you said, it's got huge playoff implications as well. Well, look at Patty Roy is going to bring his team in there, play against the Rangers. So all the question is, you know, after, you know, things went okay, then they kind of won two – well, they didn't kind of. They won two in a row coming yeah. out of the All-Star break. And then they lose to Calgary, and, and all of a sudden it's doom and gloom again, and everybody's worried. And you know who knows? I mean, they're chasing, they're they're chasing like everybody else. So it's not easy for Patty. And and th so the Ranger Islander game is going to matter a lot too. There's no question that's going to matter. Just like Jersey and Philly's going to matter. And I think when they designed this game, most people at the league thought Jersey's going to be in a good position, especially after last year in the playoffs when they yeah. knocked the Rangers out. So they're going to be – but Philly, you know, new management, they're kind of going to yeah. be growing into it. And it flip-flopped. <laughs> yeah, it's just totally turned. Yeah. And so the best laid plans don't always go the way you want them to. And then yeah. the other one was I think a lot of people thought the Islanders roster would be a little bit slow and wouldn't transition as well, especially against a Ranger team that was going to be urgent, that had a lot of youthful enthusiasm and veteran experience yeah. uh, and, a new, and a new coach. And so the Rangers have, haven't really disappointed. I think the Rangers have been pretty solid most of the year, and they deserve a lot of credit. I think Peter and Michael Peck in particular have done a really, really good job there. Um, but the, for the Islanders, I mean, who knows? They're a little like New Jersey, Jimmy. 
they're going to know their lot in life probably in the next 10 days, whether they're going to be a buyer or they're going to be a seller. Yep. It's going to be interesting. You mentioned in that uh, description there of what's going on for the stadium series, you brought up the Calgary Flames, Pierre. And look, do I think they're making the playoffs? No. I'm going to come right out and say that. Yep. Do I think they're going on a run? To No. But I want to give credit where it's due. And I really respect their coaching staff yep. and the players for doing what we mentioned off the top of the show has proven to be a struggle for teams coming out of the break, especially especially for the teams that are already sort of cemented in, in you know, mm-hmm. the standings like the team I'm covering right now. They have not been the same since they came back. Two, two out of three were complete stinkers. We could get to that later. But um, I want to give credit to them. I think it takes a lot considering the trades that have happened, all the turmoil and the question marks around their team for them to come out and not just, not just get wins, pure gutsy wins. Like I, I felt like those were some gutsy wins by the flames. So credit to them. Uh, they should hold their heads high, regardless of what happens at MSG tonight. It's been a great opening trip out of the break for them. So they've lost two players in trades. They lost Zadorov, who was an important part of their team in the back end. And they also lost Elias Lindholm. Look at what's happened with their group. They've actually surged. I like Nazem Kadri's display yeah. you know, about the hyenas. That was that was actually really good. Um, and then you got the Montreal Canadiens. They traded Sean Monaghan. And you look at where they are mm-hmm. because they know they're not making it. And yeah. you can see it in how they're playing. Whereas yep. the other guys are like, we're going to be a stick in the mud. We're going to drive people nuts. We want it. We got pride. Exactly. And, and you know what? I really respect that. I'm so glad you brought that up. And Ryan Huska, who we talked about, I think, last week, late last mm-hmm. week, here's a guy that's been dying for an opportunity, and he gets it, and he's taking the most advantage of it that he can. And I, I really respect that a ton. You know, yeah. I've walked in his shoes, and I really respect what he's doing. And uh, he, he he deserves a lot of credit there. You know, we're all ta- talking about – talk it and we're talking about all these other coaches Tortorella who's doing very well and I just finished talking about Laviolette and Peck in New York and how well they're doing uh, Montgomery and Boston I think has done a great job Jimmy forget the last few games he's done a fantastic job he really has he really yeah. he really has yeah um, but you know you look at what Ryan Huska's body of work has been this year Jimmy it, it's way under the radar he does a lot more credit than what he's getting yeah, he does. So, you know, kudos to them. And I, I'm I'm tuning into that game a little. I'll go back and forth between the bean pot. We'll close our uh the, the show talking about the bean pot because I know you want to get to that and I do too, Pierre. Um, but let's I, I just mentioned it. Let's talk about I know I agree with you. Forget the last two game, uh, the last two out of three for the Bruins. I don't put that in Montgomery, but there is something that's starting to worry me a bit about this team, Pierre. And I think it, I don't know if worry is a word or just Something that struck me a bit. I've covered this team for a long time. And okay, and I've seen the Char years leading into Bergeron. And I know how proud that organization is of the culture those guys set and maintained for so long through so much while other teams had to reshuffle and do it over again. And, you know, with the salary cap and everything, I think it's amazing that they've been able to, you know, the, the consistent winning, but also the same culture within the dressing room. I'm going to tell you now, Pierre, this is the first time where I've seen maybe that that culture, not that it's not there, 
but it maybe it's veering away from what it once was and it's going to have to manifest into its own new culture if that makes sense yeah. this is the first time where i've seen a the, the transition is starting to happen in the culture and it's showing there's some links there's some leaks out there on the ice with just the way they're doing things that usually they're so prepared for and that, not just prepared because they have a great coach in Jim Montgomery but be pa- prepared because the players hold themselves so accountable the players pay so much attention to detail i don't see that attention right now and maybe it's just the out of the break funk we've been talking about but i've seen it a couple other times this year Pierre. think back to when they got smoked in winnipeg just laid a complete egg in a big game and I think there was another one right after that, um, or right before that, there were two games on Thanksgiving weekend. They lost. They got embarrassed by Detroit at home on Good Friday, and then they went down and got embarrassed by the Rangers on Saturday. Jim Montgomery mentioned that, and he said it's something he's aware of. I wonder, Pierre, when, you, when you're a coach like that or even a GM, and you've had something that's worked for so long, and maybe it's got to start to swerve a bit, how, how do you – how do you maintain the consistency while it transitions? One of the best things the Bruins have going for them. Sorry, that's that was a great point. One of the great things the Bruins have going for it as an organization, they have Cam Neely as a president who's both tasted unbelievable success in Boston and really a dis- big bitter disappointment. Mm-hmm. Don Sweeney is a general manager, unbelievable success and very major disappointment. He was part of both, same as Cam. So they know when the culture was good, and they know when the culture is bad. They know. So your decision makers, that's important to have. Very really important to have. Now you've got the ability to bring in Charlie McAvoy, to bring in Brad Marchand, to bring in Hampus Lindholm, to bring in Charlie Quell, because those are the four guys that I think drive the bus. Yeah. Those are the four I think really – they, they're the guys you have to have totally on board. No disrespect meant to Pasta, by the way. I think yep. Pasta is great, but I don't see him as being the leader of the team. Yeah, I see him being as the best scorer on the team and the best player on the team. But he's not the guy. Sometimes the best player isn't always the best leader. Exactly. And sometimes the best leader is not always the best player. And I hate when they put a C on a guy just because he's the best player, Pierre. I know that we can it's go off on tangent. See, this is why I think Donnie – um, and Cam can make a huge difference here, and they probably already will have started to. It helps Jimmy Montgomery. They can be the stick in the mud. They can be the bad guys, and Jimmy can still okay. be the guy that – so I, I think Boston will eventually figure it out. It will be interesting to see what they decide to do, you know, mm-hmm. going to the deadline, um, because Noah Hannafin's out there, and it's it's the great big thing – that can make a huge difference for the Boston Bruins. But I don't know if they're prepared to pay that price because clearly we're seeing the prices are already high. Yeah, they're escalating. Like Hannafin, it's going to be even higher. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Okay, so Pierre, but if you're – you mentioned how they can be the bad guys, the GMs, right? If you're Don Sweeney, and I don't know if you saw Montgomery's press conference after the last game where he said, I don't have the answers right now. I don't know what to tell you. Is that – like, is that bad? Like, is, there, is he just being honest or should we read into that? Is there something bigger? Is there is there a layer behind him saying that? I think he didn't want to say anything that was going to upset his group more. Okay. Um, I think he He's knows. How, what's that? He's biting his tongue a bit. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes when you get in that situation, 
the more you say, the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. Sometimes less is more. Okay. And there's the great Bowman lie that he said to me so many times, even a fish wouldn't get caught if it kept its mouth shut. <laughs> and, and so it, it does matter. It does. And especially with 24 hour newscasts and talk radio and everything else, you got to be really careful because the players still, they say they don't, but they all do. They all oh, pay attention. They, they read. They know what's on Twitter. They know what's on Instagram. They know what's on talk radio. They know it's on national TV. They know it's on regional TV. They know. And if they don't, somebody's telling them. So sometimes less is more. And I think Jimmy actually handled himself really well. This is, you're talking about after the Washington game, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought he – actually, I thought he was spot on. I thought he was good. He, he could have done some other stuff. I thought he yeah. handled it well. Yeah. No. Well, that's why I come to you because you, you've been in his shoes. Okay, we're going to get to questions in a bit here, Pierre. Um, but let's just talk about the bean pot. You're going to be heading over there very shortly. Uh, first game, BC Harvard there. Does Harvard have a shot in this one? They do. I don't know what BC is going to decide to do in goal. I mean, if they play Fowler, then it becomes a bit of an issue. Um, Harvard could have beat Northeastern in the first game They're in the semifinal. There's no question they could have, but yeah. they weren't able to, you know, and, and Northeastern's got this bean pot. We had Jimmy – uh, Madigan on here a few weeks ago, and they've got this bean pot mojo going. I talked to Jimmy late last week just to wish him good luck going into tonight, and I'll see him tonight over at TD Bank. But uh, no, I'm, I think Harvard does have a chance now. Again, Boston College is a really good team, and they are, have arguably the best line in college hockey. And, yep. you know, whether it's Will Smith lighting it up or whether it's Ryan Leonard writing it up or whether it's Gabe Perot lighting it up, or uh, whether it's Cutter Goche deeper in the line. I mean, they've, they've got an array of riches, and uh, they're not going to be easy to beat for anybody. But obviously, they play tonight, and the game, this, the first game tonight, doesn't matter as much. Yeah. yeah. We, remember, was it, was it last week? Was it uh, Fusco? He's saying, that's all I ever did was play in that stupid game. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So, Scotty Fusco said to Jimmy and I on the sick podcast on the yeah. eye test, yeah, I never wanted to be in that first game on the second Monday, but I played in it every single time. So, right. All right, all right. Well, let's open it up, and 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 it's, you know, a championship game goes well. So it's, right. so, it's it's going to be wild too. It's not just on the ice; it's going to be off the ice too. It's NU Northeastern. It's BU. Obviously, Boston University. Not a whole lot of love there. Um, they the last time they played was at Matthews Arena. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And uh, there's a game that could have gone either way. There were 4,000 people at old Matthews Arena. And I yeah. talked, again, talked to Jimmy about it. And he says it was it was an amazingly intense environment for a regular yep. season game. So tonight it'll just be amped up that much more. Um, the one thing that could obviously make a difference is Macklin Celebrini for BU and mm -hmm. Lane Hudson for B. So if Northeastern wants to play a physical game, they have to make sure they don't take penalties because if they do, I think the BU power play would be a huge problem for uh, their penalty killing. Good stuff. And by the way, I, um, I was up at the girlfriend's for Super Bowl and her in-laws came over and uh, her brother-in-law watches the podcast now and he says, man, I can't believe until I start watching you guys, I didn't know about Macklin Celebrini. He's like, this kid is unreal. I mean, he's like, he's He's only – he couldn't believe that he was 17. He's like, they, they got to be lying. And that's, it's unreal. It's crazy how good he is. You know what I – when we had – Get enough love. 
Yeah, no, we had Nate Lehman on the other day, though. I was really proud of Nate. Um, and I've had a lot of people from Montreal actually text me saying, that was really good with Nate Lehman. That was a and great idea. College hockey's in a good place, and he is so spot on. Saturday night, I was at Troy, New York at RPI. Mm -hmm. Houston Fieldhouse, I'm going to say it holds 6,500 people. Okay. Sold out. It was sold out. Awesome. The atmosphere was amazing. It ended up being a late goal by RPI to tie Colgate um, with two minutes to go in the game. They go into overtime, chances both ways, frenetic action, and then Colgate wins in a shootout. But not one person left the rink the whole game. It, yep. it was it was like college hockey's in a good spot. But this is what I mean. We're talking about Celebrini. We need to celebrate Celebrini, yes. and more people needs need to go watch this guy play because the next time you see him. You're not going to be paying thirty bucks to go to the game. You're going to be paying one hundred and thirty bucks to go. Yeah, out yeah, exactly. That's how good this guy. He's really so. I know I've talked to him. Some other people have started to utilize the comparable, but he's Jonathan Taves mm -hmm. with more goal scoring ability, pure goal scoring ability, and better feet. Doesn't mean yeah. he's a better player. Doesn't mean he's a better leader. It nope. just those are the two characteristics that he has that are better than what Jonathan had. Yeah. It's when I talked about Austin Matthews and people got mad at me. I wasn't trying to run Ronnie Francis down. I, just, I coached Ronnie Francis. I was fortunate yeah. to win two Stanley Cups with the guy. All yeah. I was saying was Austin Matthews is a better pure goal scorer. This was when he was 16 years old. He's a better mm -hmm. pure goal scorer. Doesn't mean he's a better player than Ronnie. And he was faster than Ronnie. Yeah. That's all. I, that's it. That's it. You're just picking specific attributes of his game. Look at Ronnie's been so well decorated. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, Austin's yeah. not there yet. We'll see if he gets yeah. there. But it's the same with Macklin. You know, Jonathan Taser won three Stanley Cups. He won two Olympic gold medals. He won two World Junior gold medals. Yeah. You know, like, the guy's pretty spectacular. Yeah. But there's every characteristic on players is different from player to player. Exactly. Exactly. But just out, that's all. But Celebrini's the real deal, as you know. And so is Lane Hudson. Montreal yeah. fans better get excited. When Lane Hudson gets it, they're going to be ticked off at him because he's small and he can't play defense very well in his own zone. But they're going to love him when he's on the power play, and they're going to say, oh, our power play is at 24% or our power play is at 26%. I wonder how that happened in one year. Yes, exactly. I'll tell you how it happened. He's one of those things, right? We always say they're missing uh, a, a big winger or a big center. But he's one of those things that they haven't had for a while, Pierre. They haven't had a guy like that on their power play in so long. I mean – Markov, we going back to that. Yeah, I mean, and even even Marky, I mean, he was a good player, but he doesn't have the creativity. Of this guy, no, no not now. One thing I'd say, Markov could really hammer the puck. Like he could bring yeah. the heat. I, this guy doesn't bring the heat like that. This guy just makes everybody a threat. Yeah. He is whomever you think the best point guard in the NBA is, and I don't know. I can't. I, it, this guy's that. Yeah. Whoever the best point guard is. That's what Lane is. I mean, he's just – he's that good. He wow. really is. I know. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in Montreal for many years to come. All right, let's go over to our uh, question. Oh, by the way, Pierre, on campus uh, with Nate Lehman, I felt – so he became the first coach, I figured it out, to come on and lose the game that night. We had been undefeated with our on-campus coaches until then. And it was a heartbreaker for him, too. 2-1 to Maine, a tough one. But they came back the next night, Jimmy. <laughs> and, 
And Sam, no, it's I'd rather you win on Saturday. It's whoever wins on Saturday. That's what impresses me. <laughs> he said he did say that. He says okay. hockey's whoever wins on Saturday night. Yes. Okay. But the points still count on Friday. I was trying to be, and I will tell him this when I see I was <laughs> Friday. It's good stuff, though. Yeah, it's been good. So we'll and we're gonna work on another guest for this Friday. Looking forward um, to it. Yeah, we've got it. Well, you want to tell who we had coming in Thursday? You can go. Go ahead, Pierre. Oh, you go. I already forgot. <laughs> Grant Riley, right? Grant he, Riley. No, he's coming in Friday. Friday for all okay. the campus. Friday, Brett Riley's oh, going to be Thursday. doing this. Yes, that's right. Yeah. We have John Lou. John Lou, who is I, I'm going to say Pierre, and you know this. You know him longer than I have. Probably one of the classiest guys I've met in this business. One of the nicest, most uh, empathetic, I think would be the best word to describe John Lou. He's a quality guy. I'm looking forward to having him on. And he's in Winnipeg now, had been in Montreal for a while. So uh, he said he's loving it there. He's back home. I'm looking forward to talking to him. And one of the reasons why Jimmy and I wanted to have him on is because we want to talk about the relativity of the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. They're a real story. Yeah. They're a real story to compete. Now, they haven't played as well, you know, going into the break and coming out of the break. But it doesn't matter. He's going to know. John John is amazing boots-on-the-ground reporter. He's a professional reporter. He's he really, really good. Old school. I did, you know, I don't even know how many World Juniors with uh, Johnny working with us. Um, but he was very, very good. I know I worked numerous Olympics with him um, and a lot of Montreal Canadiens playoff series with him. So, uh, he is a really good reporter, outstanding live reporter, really, really yeah. good. There's no stone left unturned when he's doing it. And then with oh, yeah. Brett Riley, we think, Jimmy and I both think, one of the best young coaches uh, in the NCAA. Uh, he started the program at Wilkes College, and they've taken off like crazy. And then he went to LIU and started that program in Division One, and they're doing fantastically well. If you look at their record, Maybe not that impressive, but look how tight their games have been against nationally ranked opponents. They came into BC and almost knocked them off. They lost 4-2 with an empty net. They almost beat them. They went in Nebraska-Omaha. They lost two overtime games in Omaha. Uh, they're up in Alaska right now, which I think will be really cool. He'll be talking to us from uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, when we do the show with him on Friday. Be great. And you know what I like too, Pierre? Like we were just talking earlier when we were talking about the stadium series, that that's such a good hockey area. There's a lot of good players coming up. A lot of kids playing the game around there, too. He's now going to be able to tap into that market. I know it's going to be tough at first to pull them away from some of the big boys, but the better they do, the more the word gets out. Hey, maybe mom and dad would rather have uh, little Joey playing over here at LIU than heading all the way up to UMaine or something. Who knows? You never you know. know. You're right. Doing so, a good job laying a foundation. Yeah, no, it's such a good point. It's really good. So the other day – the Calgary Flames went into the building to practice before they played the Islanders. And wow, cool. about Connor Zary, if you remember how well he was doing, and I said to you during the broadcast um, that his cousin is really a tremendous player playing for Brett Riley at LIU. When the Flames came in and used the, the locker room of LIU, Zary sat in his cousin's stall. Oh, that's and awesome. Brett, Brett was telling me the story. He said, you know, I, play, I sent him the, the podcast so he could hear it. And oh, then great. his cousin must have heard it too. So his cousin said, make sure my bag and my stuff is in my cousin's stall. I want to change that. I think that's great. It's like, I love that stuff. That's Good. part of the folklore of the eye test. Yeah, that's for sure. Hard. Special. It really matters. That stuff yep. matters. Yeah. So I look forward to that, Pierre. He's uh, doing a great job there. Let's open it up. 
right now to the comments section. We've got time for a few questions here. Oh, yeah. I know Randy's been there asking a lot. Evan, I want to tell Evan quickly, we've got that video, but we're waiting for our crew to get back from Vegas. When they're back, they're going to get it back up into the system, and we will address that question this week for sure. All right, let's go to the questions right now. What do we have? Randy Workman, can you ask if Uyghur deserves some votes for the Norse? Interesting. Forget he about the hat. You know what? I love, I love what he said the other day. He talked about, hey, look, it, I've never had a hat trick in the NHL. I love the fact that his teammates are trying to help him get the hat trick against yeah. the Islanders. He got it. Um, McKenzie's always been a really good player. He's been a very overlooked player. Going back to his draft year, kid from Ottawa that played out in the Quebec League, and um, he's done really, really well. Um, that trade with Florida obviously hasn't been great, but if there's any redeeming quality of that trade, McKenzie Weger is that. Is he going to get votes for the Norris? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's because it's so broad-based. Um, and there's, you know, Hughes, the way Hughes is playing, the way McCarr's playing, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, and it's a point that you make there, too, him being the real redeeming quality or attribute of that trade here, because I think when that, that trade was made, all eyes were on Huberto, and like you said, everybody was overlooking Uyghur. I know guys in, in Florida, Pierre, like I, I've got friends that are high up there, and they were not happy about giving Uyghur up. I mean, it, and I'm like, well, aren't you not – like way more concerned about giving Huberto up. And they just said, no, like Jimmy, this guy's legit. He's a great guy to have in the locker room. He's a great two way D man. We didn't want to put him in that trade, but they, you know, Calvary wanted him and you can see why. Well, they're not lying to you. Cause I'll tell you how I know that we had significant interest in Ottawa. There you go. Can't see and they wouldn't even talk to us. So yeah, I, they're telling you the truth. Yeah, so that was a big part, a bigger part of that trade than a lot of people thought. All right, yes. let's go to the next question. Jeffrey B, with Pitt nine points out of a wild card spot, does this confirm Gensel will be traded in your mind? Does it confirm? I think it increases the likelihood, but I wouldn't say confirm yet. No, but we talked about it earlier in the show, and I mean this. Um, and Gordon Miller made a really good point last week when we had him on when he said, mm -hmm. look, they owe Malkin and Latang and Crosby at least an opportunity to stay whole, to try to make the playoffs and go on a run. Yeah. I'm not as convinced that they're going to be able to do that. Um, but I think, you know, they're going to know within the next seven to 10 days, Pittsburgh, if they can't start to swing it in terms of winning with consistency, they're probably going to have to do something with Jake. They can't lose him for nothing. And I think we were the only people that talked about this. And mm -hmm. Gordon, just like you're right, the comparable – with Nylander in Toronto after he signed that contract, that's mm -hmm. not going away. No, nope, it's not. Jake's, Jake's agent, no. And then we were Jimmy and I again. Not we're not being braggadocious. We're just calling it the way it was. Yeah, yeah. I brought it up to you right away because that's the first thing when you have a player like that. You got to look at who are the comparables. Like mm -hmm. I remember when we did Kachuk's deal, we looked right at Svechnikov in Carolina. Like that was the first one, big, yep. physical, robust, and he had signed a year previous. Pierre. So. That's how you do it. Yep, and I, I, I'm convinced. I think that something already would have gotten done with the Penguins and Gensel if not for that Nylander signing. That's yeah. that's the effect I think I have. If it didn't happen, I think by now we would have seen him go off the board and be locked up. But I, I agree with you. You called it from the start. That raised the value. That really threw a monkey wrench into the Penguins' plans, I think. Yeah, no, and it's, it's interesting because obviously Toronto – 
lets Kyle Dubas go. He goes to Pittsburgh. Right. Now one of his old players is kind of holding his feet to the fire because he's got to sign a guy that until last June he didn't even probably had never talked to before. Exactly. You know, that's going to – so do I think Jake's going to be traded right now? No, but I think within the next seven to ten days, if those nine points go to 12 points out mm. or if those nine points go to four points out, it's two different paths. And I think if it goes to four points, Jake stays. If it goes to 12 points, I think Jake leaves. Yeah, and, man, I just – Edmonton keeps going in my head for him. I think it would be just such a good fit if it happens. We'll see. I, I could think of one other one. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you know who's really good at that stuff? Vegas is really good at that stuff. Oh, yeah. Vegas yeah. is really good at that stuff. Yeah. I don't I don't know how George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon keep doing this stuff. They're ruthless. They're really good. They're, really they're good ruthless, Pierre. That's what they are. You know, you know it's hard to believe? You, you say that with a smile on your face because yeah. it's a way of – they're really good guys. Like, they're really good <laughs> Guys. Yeah. But they are ruthless. And look, Pierre, I, I forget who it was that was um he was part of the misfits. Uh, it's gonna come to me maybe off air and I'll mention it tomorrow. But anyhow, there was a player that was part of the original team there. And yeah. as, as things started to go on, he realized that McPhee and McCrimmon would like this and that they're gonna trade anyone, that they would trade their own mom or dad, you know, like that they realized that that these guys will do that. At first, like, wow man, these guys just they don't care. But then they, the players, the culture start to understand they just want to win. You can't, don't take it personal. We're not trying to like take away your best friend. We got to do what we have to do to win. And yeah. I think over time it became more, under, you know, more understood what they were doing. They didn't take it as much as like, wow, this guy's been here forever. How can you move him? I'll, t- I'll tell you when it really hit home uh, on that side of it. If you remember Mark Andre Fleury, in the bubble in Edmonton mm-hmm. and they had gone out and made a trade to get another goalie. If you remember. Yeah. Yes. And, and that goalie had injury issues, but he got to carry the ball and Mark Andre sat on the bench. And what I will tell you, which speaks volumes about the character of Mark Andre Fleury. He was the best. I was standing right there. There was nobody else in the building. So I could hear everything. He was the most, positive, supportive, proud teammate. I met him in the hotel lobby um, after some of the stuff came out. You know, it was all online chatter. Yeah. And he goes, I'm going to support this team. I've been a big Last. part of this team, and I love this place, and they've treated me great. I have nothing bad to say, and, and they handled it. And he did handle it really well. But then you saw what happened. He got moved. Yep. You know, they had to make a decision just recently. Do we keep yeah. Marcheseau or do we keep Riley Smith? They kept Marcheseau. They moved Riley Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look at it. James Neal at the beginning. Remember James Big Deal Neal? Yeah. They had him. He played pretty well there. Then he didn't. We so got to do what we got to do. We Same have to thing. do. Yeah. You know, and I, I just look at it. Like, I'm still shocked that Alex Petrangelo is not still playing for the St. Louis Blues. It's unreal. I'm, I'm still – Baffled by it. No knock on anybody. I'm just surprised that that's how yep. yep. coming off the cup as a captain. But then I look at what he's done in Vegas. I'm going, oh boy, they knew exactly what they were getting. They, they knew oh, what they were missing. Alec Martinez. So they went out and got Alec Martinez from LA 
two times cup winner. Guy that scored a deciding goal in the Stanley Cup final to win the cup, to clinch the cup. Yep. And they got him. Like, they get – it's not always about the best player. Ivan Barbashev, okay? Let's oh. use Ivan Barbashev. They knew Ivan Barbashev from the Quebec Major Junior League. They knew him a little bit from the NHL and the fact he was a fourth-line player playing in St. Mm -hmm. Louis. And what they realized is you can't always number players based on the teams they're coming from. Yeah. It's the character and the fit. So when Barbashev comes to Vegas and they win the cup, he's playing as a first and second line player there. He went from being a fourth line player in St. Louis to a first and second line player on a team that won the cup. Yep. You know, it's, it shows you they're, they're masterminds and they're really good at playing that game. And that's why I think I look at it and I say, maybe Jake Kensel. Nicky Vegas, not again. Hey, yep. hey, <laughs> you never know. We'll see. We'll see. And I'm with you, Pierre. And it, hey, it goes like they know their team. They know what they need. They know what fits and what doesn't. And sometimes this isn't always the most popular move, but it works. No. All right, let's do the question. Let's keep going. Yeah. We'll do two more. Do you see no, the light? We're, making... we're, good. we're good. Okay. Do you see the lightning making a move before the deadline? That's from Donovan Michaels. I do. Tomorrow. I, I, I do think Tampa will make a move. They've always shown to make moves. Um, especially because of the Sergachev injury. That's obviously very difficult. And um, I've talked to some of their people internally. Um, I think they're, they thought they'd be a little bit higher in the standings of where they are. But I think with the firepower that they have, the way Kucherov has played, the way the power play has been there, mm -hmm. um, I think that they probably will. I think it would probably be more towards the defensive side of things than the offensive side of things, or maybe a depth for it. In their heyday, Jimmy, and you know this better than anybody. Yes. Whether it was Yanni Gord, whether it was Blake Coleman, whether you know it was Patrick Maroon, whether really? it was Pierre Edward Belmar, yeah. um, whether it was Barkley Goodrow, it, those guys mattered on that team. Huge. Huge. And they've, lost all, they've lost all those guys for zero because they couldn't afford them. Yeah. You know, it, it, they didn't want to lose those guys. They didn't want to lose Yanni Gord to Seattle. They, yeah. they didn't want to lose Blake Coleman to Calgary. They don't want to lose Barkley Goodrow to the ring. They didn't want to lose those guys. Mm -hmm. but and I think, I think too, Pierre, you know, Vasilevsky. I mean, no matter, I know that he hasn't had his best year, and obviously it took him a while to get back into it after the surgery, but he's a giant X factor. And if I've got him, as long as I've got Vasilevsky heading into a playoff round, then I'm doing all I can to, you know, situate myself or present myself the best chance to win in the playoffs because I know – that if I can get the right mix in front of him, he's going to do the rest. And he's just that type of guy in the playoffs in a seven-game series. He's a, he's a complete X factor. So I'm with yeah. you. I think because of everything you said and also him, uh, they're not – people think maybe they're going to kind of go into a rebuild or retool. Not yet. Not yet. I don't – no, not that – no, I can't see that. I'd just be – not with Point, not with Sorelli, not not with exactly. Kucherov. I know Stammer's got a contract thing they got to work out, but – I think at some point cooler heads will prevail there. We'll see. They they handled it the first time around. I got to think they're going to be able to handle it this time. All right, let's go to the next question. Randy Workman. Jimmy, are you kind of worried about the center depth with the Bruins? Yes, and I think Don Sweeney is too. And I, Pierre and I have discussed this on here, and um, I think it's pretty evident when you hear that he was in on Lindholm, that he was – you know, there were three teams, I guess, from what everyone's saying in it at the end, but he was that fourth that left right before it got really intense. 
That's what I've heard. And that to me tells me that he's not satisfied at the center position. You never can be really Pierre because cup teams are built strong up the middle and he knows that, and he knows that they need to improve that going forward. Yeah. I thought the one thing that was tough was I thought Sean Monaghan would have been a really good fit there. Yes. Sean Monaghan would have been a really good fit with the Rangers because of the Filipino situation. And, um, Montreal traditionally does not make trades with obviously the Boston Bruins. So yes. that kind of took one of their dance partners away, their potential players. And Elias Lindholm would have been ranked at the top for almost everybody. Oh, and, yeah. you know, you look at what Vancouver paid for him. And I can't see, you know, Boston doing that at this point. I well, and they're that. hoping, hey, he hasn't signed. He hasn't signed an extension. Yeah, so they're hoping. The season when all it does is cost the money. It's all yeah. it doesn't assets except for money yeah so, so Pierre, and the other thing i'll t- say too that's a signal to me that they're not satisfied at center and this is no knock on the player because i think he's having a great year and he's 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 realizing the potential that the new jersey devils saw when they took him six overall in 2015 yeah. and that's how they're utilizing pavel zaka have you not noticed pierre that whenever they have the chance if the matchups fit okay they move him to the wing 100%. More and more this season has gone on, which tells me they're not sold on him being an everyday number two center at all. No, I, I see that. The one, and we talked about this last week, I think, Jimmy. I still think there's good potential for Johnny Beecher. I'm not saying great, I think good. Good. And yeah. The fact that he hasn't been available to play for Boston, I think, is something that would concern me a little. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Fabian Lizell's a three, four. If he's going to play, he's going to have to play as a two. Mm-hmm. Just not that checking player that you need. So there is some room for internal growth for Boston when it comes to the sunrise position. Yeah. And then I think, too, and Pierre, look, we both agree. We've said it numerous times. Charlie Coyle, besides the goalies, is their MVP this year, I think, you know, besides the goalies. And, but, but you have to still be realistic if you're Don Sweeney and say, okay, well, He's having a great year, career season. But is he going to be able to do this year after year after year for the next few years? We'll see. But he needs to keep that idea that it's not a guarantee that, yeah. that he's the number one center. So, all right, next question. Jeffrey B. Pierre, you've often compared Lane Hudson to Adam Fox. Do you see their skating being similar? Well, Adam's a little bigger, Jeffrey. Um, and so he's got a little bit of a longer stride. I think that Lane Hudson's quicker in tight areas than Adam. Um, Adam's stronger in the puck when he pivots out of a puck possession play than Lane is. But it's at the top of the power play where they're really similar. Their peripheral vision for both of them is just exquisite. Uh, The ability to move the puck is overwhelming. They make the players around them better. They make it easier for the forwards to play the game because the puck's always in a good position for them to handle it. Uh, In terms of the skating, I think Lane is – quicker and confined areas. I think in a long race, Adam Fox would be quicker. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. We'll do one more question here. What do we got? Relaxation music. Should Montreal, I like the name. Should Montreal go after Martin Neckes or Seth Jarvis? Um, I didn't know I, either of them were available. If they're available. Yeah. Hell yeah. Go after them. <laughs> yeah. They are. FAs. I wouldn't. Okay. So I get that. Yeah. Part. No, okay. no, I'm not. I understand with the cock and the Emmy stuff. I get it. I can yeah. totally get that part of it, <laughs> dude. And I think you do too. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I just, 
I just don't know. I, I a don't little think. payback offer sheet? Is that what they're yeah, looking at? I, I, so we'll see. I think there's some other ways Montreal can go. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them do that. Um, yeah. But I, it's not for right now. I think it's for the summertime. For sure. And quickly, too, Donovan Michaels suggested as a center out there, Tyler Johnson. Pierre, you had mentioned him to me when I was yeah. doing some writing. And I, I'm i hearing a lot his name a lot more now. We heard yeah. it here first, but I'm hearing a lot more out there now. Ty, Ty's a good player. Just wish he was a little bit bigger, obviously. But he's he's a good player, and he's obviously got a lot of experience. Um, winning experience. I think yeah. that's well said, Jimmy, by you. Yeah. He's got good winning experience, and he's a good teammate. Um it's just it depends on your your situation. You, if you know you're playing in the three four hole for him, I don't know if that works for him. Mm -hmm. You know, just because of where he is in his career and then the size factor, um, they prefer those players to be a little bit bigger right now. Yeah. But, and we'd watch them, and we were texting back and forth yesterday, just again mm -hmm. for people to know. I Nick Dowd to me, oh. just. If you're good and you think you're going to win, yep. you get him. Just go get him. Get he him. won't disappoint you. Just watch him kill penalties. Watch him take faceoffs. He That's scored a, a beautiful deflection goal on the backhand yesterday against Vancouver. I, I think we were the first. I think, Jimmy, you would know better yep. than I, but we brought him up a long time ago. And yep. It's starting to gain steam here. Now, I, was, I was listening to the Vancouver broadcast yesterday. And they're talking about how valuable Nick Dowd is and what a great player it would be to acquire. And, and that's a really – by the way, for the local broadcast, uh, John Shirthouse and Dave Tomlinson do a really oh, they're great. Job on Vancouver. They do a really, really good job on yeah. that Vancouver broadcast. They really do. Tomlinson, by the way, was – you talk about bean pots. He was an elite player at Boston University. I watched them all the way from his first year to his last. Yeah. He was a really, really good player. Shorthouse has always been an elite broadcaster. That that show is really, really good from Vancouver. Really he good. is. He's, he's been great. I love what he's done in Vancouver there. Well, listen, always a pleasure, my friend. And thank you to everyone in the comments section and watching and listening. And thank you to Shane back in the production room in Montreal. And Pierre, we've got a great week ahead. I'm working. You know I'm working on someone for tomorrow or Wednesday. I so. know. I know you are. I'm working on somebody for I'm yeah, working for somebody on Wednesday. Just need that exactly. phone number. Yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. But we do have good guests later in the week uh, in John Lewin and Riley. So we're, we're good. We're good. And another great weekend of hockey. I hope you all enjoyed it. It feels like now, Pierre, pretty much everyone's back from the break. So we're getting right. back into the rhythm again, the normal schedule. I'll have a bean pot update tomorrow. I'll have a bean pot update for you tomorrow. All right, Pierre, enjoy the games tonight. And I will talk to you tomorrow, my friend. This has been another edition of the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.